0: hallelujah hallelujah we are breaking ground today hallelujah we are breaking up the grounds of the heart this evening We are laying at the root, Father, the axe today. Hallelujah. We are conditioning the hearts of your daughters today, Father. We are sowing the word, Father, on protected ground. Hallelujah. So, Father, the birds don't have a chance, Father, to eat it up today, Father. Send someone, Father, to water this word, Father, so that it can grow, Father, and so that you can get the increase off of it, Father. We thank you, Father, that we are dealing with the hearts of your daughters tonight, Hallelujah. Subha la shanda de me she kashuda ramazada nee ba shanta lere dara lo ba shanta lere me she karo na musada dara o ba shanta lere me she karo na o Hallelujah. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. The first message the father told me to start with tonight is a foundational message for the slow-cooked series and groundbreaking movement of wisdom for the daughters of God. Was the heart of his daughter so that the ground of the heart may be broken up in order for you to receive all the rest of the lessons that are to come. Because we will be slow cooking this series for purposeful, attentive growth. That is purposeful, attentive growth. This series is important because the degree that you are raised and grow, or we can say mature, as a daughter of God, will be the degree that you can become and walk in, becoming the woman of God, a wife and a mother. Amen? So let's start with the first lesson of this series, which is called The Wisdom for Daughters of God, The Foundation. Amen? So let's deal with the hearts tonight. We'll be coming from Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. That's Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. And at verse 9, it says, the heart. It says, the heart. The Father is talking about the heart. He's talking about the will, which would be your will, your understanding, your conscious mind, the seat of where your appetites are, whether good or bad, the seat of your emotions, your passions, and your courage. Amen. And so he says that it is hopelessly dark and it's deceitful. Now, deceitful, we'll deal with the word deceitful. Deceitful because the Father said that the heart is deceitful, meaning that it is polluted. That's what deceitful means. It's polluted, it's crooked, it's sly, and it's a fraud. Now, if we replace the words... That we have for the heart, then we'll get a better and a broader understanding of what he's saying. So he's saying the heart, meaning the inner man, is polluted, it's crooked, the mind is polluted, it's a fraud. Your understanding, your will is sly, it's a fraud. <laughs> Your emotions, your passions, your courage, all of it. Your conscious mind is sly. It's polluted with the wrong things. It's a fraud. And he says that it's a puzzle. Your very heart, your inner man, the seat of your emotions, it's a puzzle that nobody can figure out. He said, but he is the one that searches the heart. So he, he searches your conscious mind. He searches your emotions. He searches your passions. He searches how much courage that you have, all the appetites. He searches all of these things as well as examines them. So he looks at the heart, he says. He does two things. He looks at the heart, he says, and then he turns to give the mind a test. That's what the word Examine means, because guess what, if you go to your doctor and he says that he's going to examine you, that literally means that he's going to run a lot of tests on you (laughs) in order to see... Where the issues lie. So that is what the father says. He said, not only do I look at your heart, your inner man, your mind, your will, the ability for you to understand your conscious mind, your appetites, your emotions, and your passions. Not only do I look at these things, but I also give you a test to see where you are regarding these things as well. So he says he gets to the heart of the human. He gets to the root of things. He treats them as they are, not as they pretend to be. So that is what we are doing tonight. We are inviting and allowing the father to look at our heart as daughters of the king. We're allowing him to examine our minds to get to the root of, of the things to prepare our heart for the lessons that are to come. Amen? Amen. Now this is important because, and I kind of shared this on a prayer call, is because the image of the woman, less known the black woman, has been polluted with your Cardi B's, your Megan Thee Stallions, (laughs) your Doja Cat's, your Nicki Minaj's, and, and the like from your choosing pick and choose. So we also have shows such as you know the real Housewives of Atlanta, New York, New Jersey, name of state, and they got it. And they are betraying women in these reality TV shows as loud, messy, chaotic cheaters, rebellious, and the light so this series will restore the image of women a movement that will be the real reality of the real daughters of the kingdom leading the way instead of the real housewives of atlanta amen amen, amen. so let's do first things first because the father says in order to deal with the heart you got to go to the root amen amen so that's where we're going first. We're gonna to go to the root, okay? Now, some of us came from backgrounds um, that consisted of we had no mothers. Maybe we had no fathers. We, um, we came up in, in household where there was no love. We were rejected. There was no support. We might have been alone. We, we might have been um, neglected. Whatever the case may be, that with such backgrounds as these, which we call pretty much orphan issues, that became strongholds in our life, what happened is that they spilled over into our marriages, they spilled over into our friendships, they spilled over into our parenting, our jobs, and ultimately our ability to become true daughters of God. Amen? Amen. So. Not only did these issues spill over into our soul, but the world system and how they operate and how you're connected with this as a slave to this world, what it did is it set up weeds that grew from statements to thoughts that you had that ultimately became mindsets and which ultimately became strongholds. And a lot of these strongholds either must be removed or they have to be healed. Amen? Amen. So I want to present some questions to you um, that you might, you know, want to write down because these are some reflective questions that you want to probably write in your journal and reflect back on them while you're at the house. The first question I have for you is what would you say If I told you that your natural parents were not your real parents, but just overseers of your life until you grew up and that your real father was God. What would you say if I asked you, when was the last time you put some real attention to just being And representing the one who made you. What would you say if I also asked you, why do we not prepare ourselves to follow God's call on our lives as daughters of God? When he has called all women to be daughters of God first, but there is a lack of preparation of that taught and seen on an individual level of growth and a lack of preparation from a church training standpoint. My other question to you would be, what would you say if I asked you, if you could honestly say, now we're talking about honestly, if you, you know, if you, you lie to yourself, we got a bigger issue. <laughs> If you can honestly say that you allow God, your Father, and all access pass to you to give you your identity, your inheritance, and the image He designed for you in the beginning, did not your brother Jesus say that your life is what hid in Him? So why are we not doing? As Proverbs 25 and 2 says, as kings of kings searching out what his word says about being daughters. So we'll actually go to that scripture, Proverbs 25 and 2. And it says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings Is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Now, he says it's part of basically what he's saying up here. He said it's part of his reputation to hide himself from you. That's what the word glory means. The word glory means his reputation in the Greek, and it also means weight. Because glory has a spiritual weight to it when you search it out. Now, I'm going to explain to you how this happens. So, first thing, how is it a part of his reputation? We're talking about, His glory? How is it a part of his reputation to hide himself because he hid himself, as Paul said in Colossians, that Christ has been the mystery that has been hid since the ages and generations, but is being revealed to us, his children, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it is part of his reputation that in the beginning, that's what he did. He hid himself. It was part of who he was. But it's also a part of your inheritance or your riches for you to seek him, to see how you're supposed to conduct yourself. Because it is not a part, is it not a part of what he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And all things will be added unto us. That just does not only apply to money and things. And lastly, my last question to you would be, what would you say if I asked you? Last two questions if I asked you. First, do you have all of God or all of his weight or his reputation or his riches that you want? What parts of your father as a daughter of the king do you still need to be developed in? Amen? Amen. So, my ladies, by the show of hands, of raising your hand, who wants to be great in their lifetime? Okay, good. I'm glad you raised your hand. and so let's start there then you said everybody here raised their hand and said they want to be great in their lifetime right amen here we go Then, matthew 18 1 through 5 matthew 18 1 through 5 and it says at that time the disciples came to jesus and acts Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, the King James Version says, unless you are converted and become as little children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So, let's look at what your brother Jesus did since he told us to do what? Imitate him. Amen? He called over a little child. Now, the thing about this is that I want you to to understand in this passage is that your brother Jesus had the right. He had the right to answer the question by mentioning himself as the greatest. And he would have been in his right to do so. But instead, he answered the question by drawing their attention to his nature instead. By having them look at a child as an example and it's one of those things that you have to sit and ponder and think do you know all the things that jesus literally did in his lifetime or would do when he answered the disciples question but instead of talking about himself he pointed out the relationship he's saying that if you allow me to be your father because it's a choice, it's because you have taken on the lowly childlike position. We'll come back to that term, lowly. So if you position yourself to be a child, which is actually the definition of what we learned um, being humility, remember in Apostles' message that humility belongs to the Father, So we allow ourselves to to be positioned like a child, to humble ourselves, which means to learn, to want to know, and allow him to raise us. He's saying that you will get the reward from that, which is what? Having a father that will guide you. And that is what will make you great. Because everybody raised their hand and said they wanted to be great in their lifetime here. That is what's going to make you great. Your ability and your capacity for you to allow the Father to raise you. So he wants you to receive him like a child in order that you may receive him as a father. Amen. 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 So we're also going to do some declarations in a lot of these lessons. So the first declaration that I actually want all the women to shout out of your mouths, I want you to repeat after me. Father, Father, I receive your instructions instructions. as I take my position as as a child. child. Amen. So if you want to be great, ladies, we will first need for the conversion to take place in order to become what? Daughters, meaning that it is not our nature to take the low place and humble ourselves, especially when our nature has been of an orphan and has been of a slave and it has been of a prisoner. So we take the lowly position of a daughter And we do what? We begin to do it the father's way. Now, let's go back and deal with the statement that he said in verse 4, that he says that whoever takes on the lowly position of a child is the greatest. Now, lowliness of mind means that we accept all the things that the father says that we should be. Who we are, how we should conduct ourselves in the kingdom, what image we should be imitating, and what we have without an argument. Which means that we must learn as daughters how we should be behaving, what has the Father called us to do, and how we should act and present ourselves as daughters of the King. Amen? Now... Your natural fathers did everything that they were going to possibly do as you were little and as they raised you, whether they did it or they did not do it. They did everything that they were going to do for you. So now that you have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, it is time for you to allow the father now to raise you since entering his household. Amen? Now, I have heard many Christian women say, Such things as, you know, several things. Um, And these are Christian women, less known women of the world. You know, they say, you know, I'm going to do me. (laughs) This is how I was born. The women in my family have always been like this. Times have changed. So, therefore, the word doesn't apply like it used to. But the problem with those statements are that they become what? Mindsets. And then mindsets become strongholds. So let's go through the scripture, which is what our guide, to first correct that thought process to, to give you the Father's perspective to see through the eyes of Christ. Amen? First one is, first 1 Peter 1:18 1, through20. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. And it says, you know you were not bought and made free from sin by paying gold or silver, which comes to an end. Now, the King, King James Version says a ransom was paid for you, but not with money that perishes, but with Christ. And you know you were not saved from the punishment of sin, By the way of life that you were given from your early fathers. Now, the NIV version says that you were not saved through an empty way of life passed down from your ancestors. So we can omit that. We can omit worshiping the ancestors. He said you weren't saved from punishment (laughs) and sin through an empty way of life passed down from your ancestors. The King James Version says that you were not saved through vain conversations that you received by tradition, so we can omit traditions. Nothing that was passed down in your family tradition saved you, so guess what, it's not your guide. Then the Passion Translation says that you were not saved through the empty and the futile way of life passed down from generations to generations. So whatever was passed down for you as a woman from generation, your mama, your grandmother, your auntie, he said that was an empty and that was a futile way of life. He says that way of life was worth nothing. So what your ancestors did, he said that was worth nothing. What tradition did, he said, that was worth nothing. The stuff that was passed down from you from generation to generation in your family line, he said, that way of life was worth nothing. He said, the blood of Christ saved you. The blood is of great worth, and no amount of money can buy it. Christ was given as a lamb without sin and without spot Long before the world was made, God chose Christ to be given to you in these last days. So let's deal with the first thing in this scripture. He said that a ransom was paid for you. As daughters of the king, a ransom was paid for you, not with money that perishes, but the ransom of Christ, the imperishable seed. So, what is ransom? Ransom is the money or the price paid for a prisoner or a slave. Because that is what we were before becoming daughters of God. We were prisoners and we were slaves. Now, what were you in prison to? The life of sin that you had lived... (laughs) that kept you dead and bound like Lazarus, hand and feet. What were you a slave to? You a slave is one that is giving themselves wholly to the needs of someone else and the service to another. So the first acts we are laying at the root is who or what were you a prisoner or a slave to before the ransom was paid that held you hostage in your own body? Was it lust? Was it divorce? Was it alcohol? Was it the abandonment of your father or your mother that enslaved you? Was it broken past relationships that you allowed bitterness to enter into your heart? Preventing you from seeing or making yourself vulnerable to love again. What was holding you also as a prisoner? What is preventing you from being a daughter of a king? So the first frame of mind we take on is that as daughters of ransom was paid for you and you have came into the household of your father, now the conversion process needs to take place. We cannot bring the old man with us. So repeat after me. The ransom of Christ was paid for me to release me from being a prisoner, an orphan, and a slave to become daughters of the king. Amen. Number two. First Corinthians 6. 19 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Now remember, we're going through the scripture, which is our guide, to correct the thought process so we can see through the eyes of Christ. And it says, or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you cannot live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for. So Jesus said that we squander what the Father paid such a high price for. So what is squandering? It means to lose something such as an advantage or an opportunity. And we do that through negligence or our inactions in Christ. So he says, as he continues, he says, the physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. Which means this, once you got saved, your natural body did not go into the custody of your spiritual self. Which often we think that's what happened when we got saved. That our natural body came into the custody of our spiritual self, but that's not what the Father says. The Father redeemed the body as the vessel for his use on the earth, and then he turned around and he redeemed the spirit with Christ, and he is looking to have full access of your soul with your help with being a co-labor with him. So it says, as we continue, God owns the whole works, meaning that he owns the vessel, he owns the soul, he owns the spirit, he owns the glory, he owns all of it. So, as we continue, it says, so let people see God in and through your body. So the second root we want to lay the ax to is this. As daughters of God, is to remember you do not belong to yourself. You have been bought with a price. So it's not about how you feel. It's not about how you see things, how you think, how you think things should be going. He said that he is the potter and we're the clay. And if we have really given our life to the Lord, what, and Savior Jesus Christ, like we confessed in the beginning, did we not say that? that we confess that Jesus is Lord over our life? Did we not say that when we came into the kingdom? Is not that the definition of Lord, that when you entered into the kingdom, that he, what, claimed ownership over you. He also says, why do you call me Lord if what? If you don't do what I tell you to do. You called me Lord when you came into the kingdom, then you turn around and don't do what I tell you to do. So the word do is action, meaning you said I was Lord over your life when you confessed and came into the kingdom. So why don't you do what I tell you to do and say what I tell you to say? Why do you not act like the way that I told you to act? Why are you not seeking first the kingdom of God? What does my word say about how to behave yourself as a daughter of God? So guess what? If I tell you to submit, it's for a reason. (laughs) If I tell you to study to be quiet, it's for a reason. If I tell you to what? Love, it's for a reason. (laughs) If I tell you to make sure that you have a gentle and a quiet spirit, it's for a reason. All the mathematical equation that he speaks of are those that he desires for us to follow as daughters of God with a what? A willing heart. Because he don't want to force anything on you. He wants you to do it with a willing heart. Amen? Amen. So repeat after me. A ransom was paid for me to take me from being a slave and a prisoner to the daughter of a king. Amen. Number three, Romans 6 and 6. And it says, could it be any clearer, I like this scripture, that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power, for we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power now satan's power was not the only thing that your brother jesus dismantled once he said it was it was finished so He did not only just dismantle the powers of darkness. It says here that when you decided to come into the father's household, he said he dismantled sin's power over you by taking the power from your old man and dismantling her. He literally dismantled your old identity. It's no good any longer. And that's, a, a re, that's a reason why a lot of time when you come into the family of God and then you try to go back into the world, you feel like you don't fit in. You don't feel like yourself because that old identity literally has been dismantled in the spirit. You can't even walk in that power anymore. The old man is the self that is patterned what? After Adam. So when he fails, so it's also the part of us that is deeply, what, ingrained in rebellion. Because rebellion is always once, against the Father and his commandments and what he said to do. So in comes, what, the system of grace. Grace, therefore, understands what? Just like the scripture says, grace understands that the old man can never be reform because he said he dismantled the old man. So we're not reforming the old man. He said it must be put to death. Why must the old man be put to death? So that the new man can live. So remember that a dead man cannot have authority over you if, if, It is indeed dead. So, let me clear something up. Because I know a lot of you are thinking, well, if the old man is dead, then why do I still feel this battle going on inside of me? Right? Amen. So, let me explain. Now, remember I said the old man dismantled, the identity was dismantled, is dead. OK, when Christ was crucified, the old man was crucified with it. And so I'll say, OK, well, where is this struggle coming from? So that is what we call the flesh or the carnal mind. It's two separate things. The old man, the flesh and the carnal mind are separate from the old man. And so I'll tell you what the, the, the flesh is or your carnal mind. It's made up of what your actions produced while you were in sin at one time and in the household of Satan. So the flesh is now a problem in the battle against you as a daughter of God because it has been trained in sinful habits and has taken on pretty much a mind of its own by what? The practicing of your actions when you were not in the family of God. So, there are four sources, four sources that trained these sinful habits, okay? That trained your flesh and your carnal mind. So, this is actually what you're fighting. First, the old man trained your flesh. So, sin, what sin did it imprinted itself on your flesh, causing you to develop habits while you were in sin and through your actions of listening to the father of lies. So this is where you learn to lie. This is where you learn to manipulate people. This is where you learn to control people, whether it was with your body or whatever you decided to use to control someone with, this is where you learn to curse, when you learn to steal, when you learn to gossip, when you learn to be jealous. This is where you fell into addictions and you fell into lust. Second, your flesh or your carnal mind, it was trained by the world system. So first, it was trained by your sinful actions. And second, your flesh was trained by the world system. Now, in its spirit of rebellion against God, it learned basically how to care for itself by being a slave. This is where you get your habits of not trusting God not trusting that he will provide for you, that he would not protect you, that he wouldn't give you all things you need. This is where the resistance comes from to enter into his rest, and where selfishness, haughtiness, and pride is birthed. All of that coming from the world system that cause you to be trained to become a slave. Number three, your flesh or your carnal mind was trained to listen to the father of lies, which influenced your flesh to walk in sin, by the leading of demonic spirits. So if a spirit of lust came upon you, you had nothing to fight against that. So you were led into sin through the spirit of lust resting on you. So you did things that you should not do. But now that you are in the family of God and you develop those habits while you were Doing those actions when that spirit of lust came upon you now is it's, it's a struggle because now you have to literally kind of take yourself off of all of the, of the different actions that you did during that period of time. And the last thing is number four is that the flesh was trained by the orphanage, the flesh was trained by the orphanage, meaning the family, the literal family that you grew up in, and world culture. Your family culture and the world's culture. Now, this is where the issues of abandonment is birthed. It includes, it also includes the inability to trust. It includes manipulation, shame, Fear of rejection, loneliness, suspicions, and a host of other behaviors and attitudes that interfere with a person's ability to foster healthy relationships. And these issues often remain even as we are adopted into the household of the father. But he said you are daughters of a king. So the the abuse is not who you are. The divorce has no power over you. Your parents' abandonment doesn't dictate who God called you to be. Remember, he said, when you came into this family, your brother Jesus' blood dismantled that old identity. So let's do it the father's way so we can get his heart with his results. Amen? So repeat after me. My father dismantled my my old identity. Therefore, the world, the orphanage, the flesh, and the father of lies have no more power or authority over me. Amen. Number four, Ephesians 4 22 through 24. That's Ephesians 4. 22 through 24. And it says, since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance. So ignorance, the fact that you did not know, that's not going to be an excuse for him. (laughs) He said everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. What does that mean? The lying, it got to (laughs) go. The gossiping, it has to go. The slander, without affection, it has to go. The cheating, the manipulated, the invulnerability to love, the hate, the jealousy, the addictions, the lust, all of it has to go. He says it's rotten through and through, meaning it's rotten going in and coming out. He said, get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What a beautiful scripture. So that's what we're doing with this series. We are allowing the word to fashion us, to give us new clothes spiritually. By allowing the word to renew our minds, working this way on the inside of us to heal our souls. So that our actions are no longer carnal, but our conduct and our lives become accurate producers of our father's character in us which will convert us to daughters of God. Amen? Amen. So repeat after me. I want nothing to do with my old life. Father, fashion me with a life renewed from the inside and working itself into my conduct in order to reproduce your character in me amen and the last one i have for you is ephesians 5 and 1 ephesians 5 and 1 And it says, I have two different versions up here. It says, the first one is the um, New Living Translation. And it says, do as God would do. Not your auntie. Not your ancestors. N- not even your parents. Or your niece, Tasha. Your friend, Kim. <laughs> who you've been knowing since elementary school. <laughs> he said, do as God would do. Much loved children want to do as their fathers do and then the the the, the passion translation he says be imitators of god in everything that you do for then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters so the greek word for imitator is the word mamites which frequently depicts an actor playing out a role. So God wants us to mimic him and be filled with his thoughts, his love, his deed, his character. That's what he was referring to when he kept saying what? I only do or I only say what the father shows me or tells me he was doing what? Imitating his father. So, Last declaration. Repeat after me. I only do and say what my father tells me and shows me as a daughter. Amen. Now, I want to read to you before um, I'm currently done with the lesson. And I want to read an, um, an excerpt from a book by um, Diana Hagee, John Hagee's wife. And um, the name of the book, if you guys are interested in uh, in reading it, but it doesn't come in a digital download, you're gonna have to literally buy the book because I looked high and low for digital download of this book. The um, manual is, because there's a workbook manual that goes with the book, the, the workbook is the only thing that is digital that you can download if you want to buy it, but you have to literally buy the book if you want the book. But this is coming from an excerpt from Diana Haggie, and it says, When I was praying about the title of this book, the Lord brought to my mind an important conversation I had with him several years ago. In sharing this very intimate moment with you, I pray that it will impact you as well. In 81, 1981, that is, John and I were invited to meet with Prime Minister Mnuchin because of my husband's support of Israel. It was a special honor to meet the man who God had used to form the Jewish state. Needless to say, I was very nervous. As we were being cleared by Israelite security, the great accuser, which is Satan, began to attack my mind. He began to tell me, who are you to meet with this head of state? You are a hindrance to this meeting. You should not even be in the same room. I felt he was right, and I became overwhelmed with feelings of insecurities as if a huge wave of water had suddenly grabbed me in its undertow. I could not even breathe. I began to walk around, hallelujah, I began to walk around towards my husband to ask to be excused from the meeting. All of a sudden, I could hear a voice in my mind that was louder than that of the Satan. And he said, why are you leaving something that I ordained? And I said back to him, because I am not worthy to meet with such a person, that was my faint response. I am about to meet with the leader of Israel. Immediately, that same strong voice made a statement that would change my life forever. And the father said to me, And he is about to meet the king's daughter. The wave of insecurity and fear dissipated. I squared my shoulders, entered the room, walked over to the prime minister, and extended my hand. I remember it as if it was yesterday. I shook his hand firmly and said, I am Diana Hagee. I am honored to meet you. Unless you knew me then, you can't comprehend the miracle of that moment. I would never be the same again, not because I was in the presence of one of the most important men in history, but because I had taken my place in the society of the kingdom of heaven, the eternal society of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was then and will always be the king's daughter, and so will you. Our king has a divine destiny for us all. Amen. Amen. All right. So now I want to do a prophetic demonstration. Can I have you turn that light off real quick? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you turn up the music just a little bit? Hallelujah. I'll shine down on my CB. Serena, if I could have um, your assistance. Thank you, Father. So here we have uh, two things that I have underneath here. Now, what I'm getting ready to do is show you a prophetic demonstration of how the Father sees you and looks at you in regards to your issues of your past and how he desires to use you. So the first one I am have Serena to uncover Now, this represents a vessel. And the light that is inside of it represents Christ that was placed in the vessel. Now, as you can see, it's it's a, it's a perfect vessel here. Not much going on with it. But the Father is using this vessel for his glory and for his purpose. Now we have vessel number two. And on this particular vessel, we got a a lot of things going on. We got a lot of holes in this vessel. We have some gauze wrapped around this vessel. We have things that this person have went through. They went through divorce. They went through abuse. They went through rejection. They have some past pains some hurts some neglect on here and they pretty much try to bandage all of this up and fix these things themselves even though christ is in them and wanting actually to use the vessel but as you can see with this person here what they're trying to do is fix themselves they actually dim The light that's in them. And so, if I can get you to start unwrapping that, Serena. And what the Father is desiring to do, He wants you to take off the pain, He wants you to be healed from the divorce the rejection, the past. Not to use it as a place where you become a victim, but he said that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So when you take off the bandage, you can see how the light comes through the holes. And it shines through the pain it shines through the divorce it shines through the rejection so he's saying look those things happen to you but let my light shine through you so that those things that used to it seem as though used to hold you hostage are now a place of testimony that christ now lives in you So you can let those things go. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, I want, um, if, uh, Manushka, if you could turn the lights back on. I want every woman to open up th- their envelope. And we're going to read this. I'll read this to you, but read along um, in your, your mind and your spirit. Yeah. Here we go. A father's love letter, an intimate message from God to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with you, with all of your ways, even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I choose you. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all of your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day that you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. For I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet all of your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand of the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all of my heart and all of my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. That if you seek me with your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you these desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the father who comforts you in all of your troubles. When you are broken hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd cares for a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and I'll take away all the pain that you have suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you. And to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your dad, almighty God. Amen. Amen.